Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk Man, I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. We are coming strong as the college football season has come to a close. LSU, the team that we saw at DKR in September, is your national champion. Texas, gentlemen, does finish. Ranked in the top 25, number 25 in the AP poll. So, I know that's not what everybody wanted at the beginning of the season, but hey, small victories. This is only the third time in the decade of the 20-teens, as I guess we can call it, that Texas finishes ranked in the final AP poll. And it's the first time since Mac Brown's run of 12 straight rankings in final AP polls that Texas has ended consecutive seasons ranked in the AP poll. Baby so. steps. Yeah, you read my mind. I was baby thinking, steps, don't worry. Yeah, baby steps. So we'll talk about the LSU National Championship, how that ties into Texas, look at some coaching staff stuff, all of that in this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let me bring in the rest of the team that's going to take this ride with me. And everybody, thank you guys so much for downloading, listening, subscribing, however you're doing it, wherever you're doing it. Thank you so much for supporting Longhorn Blitz. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? You're looking at those lines for next year, trying to get some of them futures bets? Uh, not really. I saw the futures odds on a few things in Texas, right where Texas was last year. It was like 25 to 1, 25 like top to one. 8. Like yeah. same. Texas and LSU were both right at 25 to 1. It was like the tipping point of that game. And they flew up after that. Yeah, I have seen, uh, I saw the Caesars odds at Texas 25 to 1. I haven't seen any Heisman odds for. Sam Ellinger, yeah, but you I'll know whenever, whenever those come out, or if they're out already, he will be in that mix. And as Matt looks that up, a man who, he's got plenty of research because he was shuffling his papers before we started the show. <laughs> I don't know how he stays organized. He's doing research right now, actually. But he manages mm-hmm. to do it. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever he gets that T-ring back in, I promise I will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they give you that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your heart's Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother, as always. So, Rod, always, can we uh, finally... Some, some pep in my step. Can we finally close this decade out and be done with it? Yeah, officially, it's done, baby. 2020. Let's uh, start fresh, new, well, not entirely new, but mostly new coaching staff for Texas. And as you pointed out, at least you ended the last decade on a, it's not an ultimate high, but a bit of a high considering recent events here on the 40 Acres. So, uh, beats the alternative. Yeah, no, you you know, you ended you beat Utah, which was you know uh, uh, one of the better teams in the country, and now hopefully this reinvention of Texas football can have a similar result to, to the reinvention of LSU football, which, yeah. which you know there are a lot of lessons that I think Longhorn fans can be optimistic about. Now, obviously, you'll be hoping that the best possible case scenario happens, but you know I remember. It, LSU not too long ago was having similar discussions about LSU football. Not that there were Texas at all, but in terms of the transformation of LSU football, when are they going to take the next step? Yeah, uh, they were they were in in a sense in their eyes they were kind of mired in mediocrity because they couldn't beat Bama, they couldn't get over the hump. Yes, of course they were to be a nine or ten win program year after year, but they wanted to take the next step. That was hard for them. They brought in Joe Brady, Ed Orgeron, evolved as a coach. We're looking for Tom Herman to evolve as a head coach. A lot of people would have said Tom Herman was the better coach a year ago and not Ed Orgeron. All right? LSU, had LSU wanted, wanted him. him. <laughs> exactly. Over um, but Ed O, he evolved. All right, yep. he evolved real time. We watched him evolve. All mm-hmm. right, and now he went from being a a coach with that. You know, now he's considered kind of a lovable 
um, a lovable character, but it, before he was a caricature. Yes. You yeah. know, and people were making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Because he was, was more of a water USC boy didn't want to hire him because rah, rah, he sounded all Cajun and everything. Now, it's like, oh, that's just a little lovable thing about him. We like it because he's successful. Success mm-hmm. will change the perception of everything you do. Tom Herman giving the double bird and head button players. If you're winning games, you know what people are going to say? It's a player's coach. <laughs> so plus what he is. Matt Brown went when from you won soft that game to presidential. Versus, when you won that game versus Missouri and you was you was grabbing, you know, I don't know what the hell, securing the bag or whatever the hell it was, you won. So people were like, you know what? The players were united by that move. The players liked the move. Hell, I remember even Missouri at the time, their players saying, you know, if our coach had done that, we'd have followed our coach. People people looked at it differently because you were winning. Winning changes to everything. People won't look at Now people look at you as a loser. I remember like, oh, man. Got, look what the loser's doing, headbutting players, giving the double burr. That guy don't know what the hell he's doing. If you were winning, they'd be saying, man, he's a bit of a renegade as a coach. He's out there, you know what I mean? He's doing things. He's uh, he's doing it his own way. He's he's uh, forging his own path. Nobody's ever done it like this at Texas. I mean, you know, they, they, they changed the narrative. So all you got to do is win. Yeah, look Just at Mac win, Brown. Baby. The first half of the 2000s, <laughs> it was Mac Brown can't win. He was either had a soft team or was a loser. But then he was presidential. But he was compared yeah, yeah. to our <laughs> nation's president because of his Great similarities point. between the two. And then, like the yeah, sim- if we're drawing parallels. This, the way that this decade just played out reminds me of the 90s that I grew up and were confused about why was Texas, you know, such a heralded program yet didn't see the success. Like, think about the beginning. Well, you have a coach at the beginning of a decade. They had a big game. Now theirs was like the Shock the Nation tour. Texas still sort of flashed in not 2000 to 2010 then right after 2010 falls off a cliff you have a coach not survive like charlie did makovic did but then you had a coach get hired you finished two the last two seasons of the decade like rank a little bit of momentum and you didn't see 2000 to 2005 coming after 98 99 you hoped it did but just the idea that you open the decade with hopes, looking as if you could win a championship as Texas was in it in that 2010 game, and then just having that guy fall out and then having to replace a guy real quick and then to quickly give those first couple of years, it's sort of similar to that one. Hey, uh, there's a couple, a couple things I want to – uh, piggyback on what both of you guys said. Matt, with you, to me, I know we're talking about decades, so nice kind of 10-year chunks, start of one decade, end of another. But to me, where Texas is right now, it really mirrors kind of where things fell off under Fred Akers and where they looked like they were going to pick up under John Makovic. When you look at losing that Cotton Bowl at the end of the 83 season, which that Rod, I know you studied it when you were in the program, and even look back now, like mm. that '83 defense was freaking insane. It's like yeah, one of the best defenses, really. It was one of the greatest defenses in Texas. Mm. One of the greatest defenses, really, college in history football. college football. Yeah. With I, I think Texas set the before. I think the draft was still 12 rounds, but in the modern era draft since mm. the merger, Texas does the record. I think 17, 18 guys picked. Most of those guys were off that defense. Uh, but they lose that Cotton Bowl to Georgia heartbreaking fashion. They're number one in the country in 84. They have the tie against Oklahoma, then it falls off a cliff. And then really through the end of Fred Akers and then under McWilliams, you had the shock the nation year, but they're kind of nothing ever really seemed right. And it was more That's why missed the 90s felt like this. It was just a lot of murkiness. And it's kind of where Texas is now. It's kind of where if, if, you, ups and downs if you look highs, at if yeah. you look at the 2019 Texas team, it's kind of almost where that 94 team was under Makovic where that's ugly games in 94. There was the loss to Rice. I remember them going out to Texas Tech and losing an ugly game. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of got it together. I remember a Thanksgiving win over Baylor. That yeah. seems to ring a bell. And then they, like go, they, they go to the Sun Bowl and beat North Carolina, coached by Mac Brown. Yeah. And then the next year they're 10-2. and two. They win the conference. They beat A&M in the final Southwest Conference game at Kyle Field. And then they won the first Big 12 title in a year where the record didn't match the expectations going Another into the Another way the 90s and the two, and it fell off, but are the same. The Aggies both had the ending of a conference or the ending of a conference. But it's kind of it's kind of that same thing where Texas just went through this like 10, 11 year window where it fell off a cliff and you never really got it back all the way back. Exactly. Yeah. You just had your flashes like, ooh, this is what. Oh man, look yeah. at that. They, you know that that team. Maybe they can be really good this year because they showed some signs of life or they showed some signs of momentum and progress in the year before, but it was never consistent. And, you know, that's the beauty of what Mac Brown did. It was that 
you say what you want, people were disappointed in just 10 wins at one point because he became a prisoner of his own excellence. But the truth is, that was hell, that was about as consistent a program, a decade for a program as we've seen in college football history in terms mm-hmm. of just the consistency. I mean, that's what you want, right? Consistently good to be great. That's what Mac used to always say, and that's what he was during that time period. And you're trying to get back there, and obviously you may not maybe make it last a decade. I mean, I don't know if that is realistic. It, Probably should be. I mean, Ohio State can do it. In Texas. Oklahoma has been able to do it. Saving. Yeah, and you, you know, exactly. Going Bama, on the Baker's dozen. Clemson will probably end up with something like that. It is, you know, I mean, you should be able to do it if you have the right guy, and, and Texas should be able to get that guy. Hopefully Tom Herman is that guy. Um, but, yeah, man, it's I, I, I'm with you. I think right now it's – it's similar to a lot of those recent examples you guys brought up because you just can't get to consistency. I mean, that, that Sugar Bowl win, everybody gets high, and then this season, you know, you only get to seven. This is like, like, you know, you look you know? in, like I said, in the 80s, like the first round of McWilliams are seven and five, and maybe you think, okay, it's going somewhere, you get a bowl win, and then it bottoms out. And then you have the Shock the Nation year, and then yeah. really starting with that Miami Cotton Bowl. The next year, I think they're five and six, and McWilliams is fired, and then, yep. yeah, the regime changed. But, Rod, I don't want to like sit here and wax nostalgia about Mac Brown no, and, no, no, no. and kind of go revisionist, so just, revisionist yeah. history. But to your point, just about how successful the decade was, I'm just going to run you down the numbers starting in 2000, go through 2009. Here's your finishes in the final AP poll 12th, 5th, 6th, 12th, 5th, 1st, 13th, 10th, 4th, 2nd. Your win totals in those years from 2000 to 2009 9, 11, 11, 10, 11, 13, 10, 10, 12, 13. And I remember 9, 11, 11. And I remember the disappointment, yeah. <laughs> right? Because we, it was, I, I think we were the that talented. Yeah, we, we were producing a lot of NFL talent on the 40 acres. You'd see those guys going, well, that's a first-round offensive lineman, first-round NFL player, first-round running back, or first-round wide receiver. Why isn't Texas doing more? And you know what? Those are the questions that fans are supposed to be asking at Texas. So I think ultimately getting back to what, you know, the lessons you learn from the national championship game, I think the number one is evolution of the coach. Right. I'm hoping we can see that from Tom Harmon. Number two is the transcendent transformation, transmogrification of a, of a quarterback. Because we all sat here six seven months ago and we clearly LSU fans I talked to plenty of them and said oh Sam Ellings is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow no question like mm-hmm. we all agree with that you guys have the quarterback advantage there but you know we had disadvantage 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 and that now Joe Burrow completed what might have been the greatest college football season in the history of college football for one individual player yep and I, I said you know to me I'm gonna, I'll talk about this on the show on my show a little bit but you know, it is, to me, something Texas needs to be wary of. If he can be to LSU what Vince Young was to Texas, which is what a lot of people are yeah. making that kind of comparison with Hopefully Tim Tebow was for Florida, happy. you know what I mean? Like, it can take that program to another level. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's crazy to think because LSU's at a pretty damn good level, but they've never had a season like this where they're the highest-scoring team in the history of college football, set all the records, won all these awards. Beat seven-ranked teams. Mm-hmm. Seven they, they've been 10, recruiting damn good without – that resume. <laughs> now they got that yeah. resume to add. They're coming into Texas, big things are swinging, and I'm telling you, they're coming in to take your best. And Texas needs that very best, those top 15 players in the state, to win a national title. But when Ohio State comes to town, and when LSU now comes to town, and when Bama comes to town, they're coming to take your five stars and your four stars. They say you can have your three stars because you know what? You ain't developed them that well anyway. And in this league, in, in the Big 12, those schools with the offenses there, you look at the offenses at Ohio State, the offense at LSU, mm-hmm. now they're starting to take skill guys. I didn't take the any outs. The guys that you need to win in the Big 12. Yeah, exactly. Quarterbacks, wide receivers. At first they were taking just your D lineman and your, your O lineman. He's like, damn, we can't keep yeah, that. Battles that. that you knew you were going to lose. You knew you were losing those guys because they're producing NFL D lineman, O lineman, and you're not. But now, like you said, they're coming in and taking your wide outs and your cornerbacks. Because you're the Big 12. And, quarterba- and, what, and you got now, the Big 10 and the, the SEC the, doing that? The one thing Texas has, you know, I think the state of Texas has done, I guess, a relatively decent job on is obviously that nobody produces quarterbacks like the state of Texas. Nobody in the history of America has ever done it in the history of the game, whether it be at the college or the pro level. You know, these prolific offenses are coming in here and taking Texas quarterbacks like Mahomes. Yeah. And hell, even going back to what Tannehill, the guys who are playing in mm-hmm. the AFC title games, come so start taking those guys, the Baker Mayfields and the Kyler Murrays. And, you know, and I know Oklahoma's doing their part, too, to take it from Texas schools, but that is also could be trouble. 
Yeah, because, I mean, we talked about the SEC and the Big Ten for the past two decades have been the places you would say are not the offensive forefronts of evolution. This was the one, and now yeah. if you have your top guys from the Big 12 leaving to join that, that'd be trouble. That'd be trouble. You mentioned the evolution of the coach, Rod, and I think that to me is, is kind of what, one of the things that really stuck with me watching LSU in this run they've been on. And can we stop, like I know we haven't done this, so can we stop talking about the relevance of the end result of that Texas LSU game in September. Like that LSU team in September is not anywhere in the ballpark with where LSU is right now. No, they're not. I agree. It's still good that that happened, but it doesn't have anything to do with what happened this time. It's it's, it's almost like, how can I compare the title game? Like, it's almost like playing a game of Mike Tyson's punch out and like little Mac just wears himself out and you got a nice lead. (laughs) And it's like, all right, you finished? Okay, cool. And then LSU just put the hammer down. Yeah, no, no. I, it, it was interesting that Ed Orgeron like they did, fled dominated Clemson. He gave a shout out to Texas and said, "Well, he has that every third single and time. 17, That yeah. third and seventeen, he said, "That's when I knew this team could win a national title." I'm not saying you can take that which way you want as a Texas fan, but it was a big game. It was oh, huge. It was. We it had talked about how big game. it was, and I think. Both programs went on different paths after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Strangely yeah. enough. But, they, you know, no, and I mean, Ed O reiterated that. He talked yeah. about that play after the Auburn game, after the Alabama yeah. game at Joe Burrow. It was big. It was huge. And it it's big. worth because mentioning he admitted that. Well, after that game, they couldn't stop Texas. If Texas gets that ball back. They're in 17. The, the odds and success rates are really We're low. Going to overtime. Texas, or, well, let's, can, we, can we, can we shelve third and 17 for a minute? Because I want, I, want I want to hit more on that. No, sorry. No, no, it's fine. But. The evolution, right? You know, you look at Ed Orgeron. You go back to his first year at LSU because he was the interim after Les Miles got fired. You know, was it four games into the the sixteen season? And then they had the coaching search. Are they going to hire Jimbo Fisher? Are they going to get Tom Herman? And they promote Ed Orgeron from interim to full time coach. And that twenty seventeen season, you get early into that thing. I mean, that game where they lost to Troy at home. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're wondering, like, man, I don't think Ed Orgeron's going to make it. That's a good point. Because yep. at that point. Yep, they're three and two, getting ready to go on the road to play Florida, and you're like, man, I don't, good point. It doesn't look good for Ed Orgeron. Yeah, and he managed to just get through that season, and you know they won ten games last year, and they they get they get Joe Burrow, they get Joe Burrow, that's big. Yeah. So <laughs> went over the locker room, and that was <laughs> well, the big part there. Yeah, exactly. And, and from that standpoint, guys, LSU. I mean, Les Miles was such a players' coach, and they even rallied to keep him in. So then they wanted to hand it over to a guy that also sort of felt that locker room, and he was able to capitalize. But on the, it. and and the bigger point to that is Joe Burrow. If from that standpoint, just getting the LSU and stabilizing the quarterback position, exactly. he saved Ed Orgeron's job. Exactly. Yeah. And, and often quarterbacks do. Right. <laughs> and, in, and in a lot of ways, Tom Herman has – that's what's that. allowed him to have the success he's had, which is having a guy, a proven commodity at that position in Sam Ellinger. Amen. What well, Tom Her- at that exact same stage right, right now with Sam. What Tom Herman has to do, though, guys, is the same thing Ed Orgeron did. I wrote this after the Baylor game. Rob, you brought it up mm-hmm. earlier, like the headbutting thing. That's really what – I remember, like, I know it wasn't that long ago, but I remember sitting in the press box in Waco and watching that go down, <laughs> and my first thought was, man, if they don't win this game, that's all we're going to hear about. That's all you're going to talk about. That's it. All it's going to be talked exactly. about. <laughs> Shower Coach Sowers. And that only did they not win, they were pretty much dominated. Right. In the game. Yeah. And yeah. now it's like you got your head, co- your head coach headbutting people, and it's just the, the, rab- the Pandora's box, that thing open. Exactly. But I wrote after the game, what Tom Herman's got to do is he's got to stop worrying about bits and gimmicks and really look in the mirror and understand what really needs to change fundamentally with this program because not everything is right. It's your culture. There's something there that yeah. is preventing you from taking the next step. And Ed Orgeron did that. And we talked about it all last summer. That's a great point. And we said the big if with LSU was we knew they hired Joe Brady. And, Rod, you mm-hmm. got a cyberstalk Joe Brady. We talked about, look, yes, we understand Joe Brady's good. But if Ed Orgeron's not all in with Joe Brady, it doesn't matter. And right. I cyberstalked Ed O and found out that he was in love with these analysts. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was like, no, and they're changed. You could tell it was a changed offense. He was blown away by modern football. And that's what Ed Orgeron did is he said, look, if, I'm, if I want to beat Alabama, if I want to win the SEC and win the college football playoff, 
I've got to go all in with this because the old way is not working. The, old way didn't work. the way Les Miles spread. did it for a decade plus, it wasn't working. He said, no matter what, I had to find out a way to go to the spread was his exact quote. And, and, and you know, Gary yeah. Patterson, we talked about Gary Patterson did the same thing when he brought in Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham and you had, it's, it's, it's kind of the, it's not all that different from what LSU had because TCU always, Gary Patterson's always going to have good defenses. Yep. But it's just that, that lightning in a bottle of Sonny Cummy and Doug Meacham getting to TCU at the right time where they had good skill guys. You had Trayvon Boykin at quarterback. And really, their one awful fourth quarter in Waco away from being in the playoff that year. I agree with you on that. Like, you can't, you can't sit there and look at their body work and tell me that 2014 TCU team wasn't one of the four best teams in the country. Yeah. And that's because Gary Patterson made the same decision that Orgeron did. He's like, if, well, I, if I'm going to thrive in this job, then he had to evolve. I, I have to evolve. I have to change. And that's what Tom Herman Rod has to ask himself. Where do I need to evolve? What needs to change for this thing to take the next step? And I don't think necessarily any of us can answer that question. We have observations about it because, you know, we've talked about this too. Listen, I was actually texting with uh, some Longhorn players last night because actually after the game, it's crazy, like three or four different guys hit me up and they're like, what do you think about this? You know what I mean? Because you could tell they have been watching the game, watching LSU, think to themselves, okay, we played LSU close. Man, what does this mean? Like, and, and also, how far are we from that? Yeah. <laughs> like, are we, are we miles away from that? Because Oklahoma's not even close to that. And we're getting beat by Oklahoma consistently. How far away is Texas from that national championship stage? And that's a, that's a reality conversation. And, you know, I basically come to the conclusion that we're not even close. Uh, and that's what, that's what Tom Herman's got to figure out. The yellow brick road to get to where LSU is now from Texas, from where we are. Mm-hmm. LSU had a different path. They, were, they had different issues in Texas. Texas has been mediocre for like a decade. There are issues there Mac Brown couldn't solve, Charlie Strong couldn't solve, and you have failed to solve in your first two or three years. You know what I mean? Like there are some deeply systemic issues with Texas football right now. You got to go in and figure out what that is. Yeah. And also, a lot of that reflects on you as a coach. You got to do all that introspection and break it down. That's why you're paid the big bucks. That's why you got the, you know, the advances and the bonuses. And good for you. You deserve it. But if you don't go in and solve this problem, you'll be gone in two, three years, too. I guarantee you will. I've watched this cycle over and over again. So, getting to your point about Ed Run, he lost to freaking Troy in 2017. Yeah. He had his lows, and he, he, he had that man-in-the-mirror moment. Uh-huh. This is for Tom Herman, the man-in-the-mirror moment. I actually, we've talked on this podcast for years to try to figure out what the hell is wrong with Texas football. And we've come with all these theories, but we don't truly know. We thought getting a quarterback would solve all those issues. You got a real mm-hmm. quarterback. You got one that can compete at the highest level, an elite quarterback. I saw today Pro Football Focus. Well, not yes, yesterday. Pro Football Focus put out um, Cam Miller, who does a great job with them, that the best quarterbacks in the country versus the Blitz were Trevor Lawrence and right after him, Sam Elliott. Yeah. Better than Joe Burrow versus the Blitz. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, well, what the how the hell does what? what? That doesn't make sense to me. He should have been better then. Like, you didn't weaponize Sam Ellinger well enough, and maybe that's part of it too. Maybe you got to figure out how best to weaponize Sam Ellinger, and that'll lead you to the you know solving the rest of the issues. I, I actually don't know at this point. I do think there are a lot of deeply defense is going through the same cycle every three years. The offense, we thought Sam Ellinger would solve all the problems, that did not. Versus elite defenses, we thought you being a play caller would solve the issues, that did not. You got whipped versus elite defenses. So I don't know what's going on. Well, I, I don't know exactly. I don't. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that drastic. I think it, it's like my Matt Buller always talks about it. You know, it's like uh, chemical compounds, right? Just adding a little bit of this element, a little bit of that element, can completely change the chemical. You know, what I mean, a, a composition of something, mm-hmm. and then make it something totally different. Something that once was toxic, mm-hmm. become something that you have to you, you live to thrive on. And for tech, it was just adding Joe Brady for LSU. That was simple. They kept everything else. Like we added Joe Brady. And it was like, well, that's it? Well, then we had well, Joe Burrow, but then we added Joe Brady, and that was it. And it's like, okay, well, then for, for Texas, what's the equivalent of that? And then what's that the cure-all? behavior that got you to that point? Because the big thing with Ed O, with him, was looking in. It was an honest self-assessment. And you've talked about it with Texas and Tom Herman and this staff. We've seen just simple things that sort of confused us at time as to you weren't this aware that y'all, this was your weakness. It's like if you aren't able to identify your weaknesses and then be able to admit that yeah. you have those faults in these areas – and that's what Ed O did. He's like, I don't know offense. He's like, I know defense. I've been pl- coaching defense my whole life. I've never been able to stop that type of offense. And it's dire times. I mm-hmm. need to go and admit that I don't know it and go hire the best at doing what I d- can't do. And 
everybody's different. There's different weaknesses for every person. And just to get to the point professionally, I mean, Ed O's talked many about his failures, his failures at Ole Miss and even why he didn't get it at USC and how he had to change as a person, his whole way that he approached the players and just every single element to it is so layered and so deep that there isn't ever going to be one exact thing. But if the coach isn't understanding first his personnel and then honestly assessing what he can do, control, and maximize, and then understanding what he needs to delegate. Like, Mac was a great delegate. He knew to delegate everything, but I can go and I have the resources to be able to find the best in the world. So, But if you aren't being honest with yourself, and like that's where we saw the odd behavior at times from Herman, because we thought he was one type of guy that was like this Mensa dude that was going to scheme us open and we were going to play at the smart, maximize level, and then he wants to be this physical He thought bunch formations versus Utah was something cutting edge. Yes. Like, I'm breaking this out. Like, I mean, literally, it was like, it's a, we hadn't used bunch formations all year long. This is what Colin Johnson said, but we broke it out versus Utah because that would dictate what coverage they played. It always dictates what coverage they played, Tom Herman. It's it wasn't simple. just Utah. It would have been everybody. And it's like, getting to your point, it's like, Where's the Mensa? That's not Mensa. That's more meathead. It's like, did you and see I the very first play of the Titans admit, game? He's got to admit, I'm kind of a meathead. Yeah. I actually am more of a meathead than I am Mensa at times yeah. for football. And that's so fine. Then delegate. Nothing wrong with that. Mike Vrabel's a meathead. Ed O's the, the biggest a- meathead ever. Ed O's a meathead. And they're in the AFC title game, and no one just won the national title. It's okay. Vrabel said he'll cut his But you have to off. admit you're a meathead first. Yeah. You cannot stare yourself in the mirror and go, I'm Mensa. I'm Mensa, baby. That's what they call me. Yeah. No, no. What we call you and perceive you to be is not what you actually are. And you have so to know you that. you've got to figure that out. And to your point about Ed O saying, as a D-line coach, the toughest thing for me to stop is a spread offense, so I'm going to it. Bob Stoops did the same damn thing. Yep. When he Higher came to, to Oklahoma, he said, the hardest offense that I've ever went, uh, went up against is the air raid. I'm taking that dude from Kentucky with the air raid, and I'm bringing it to Oklahoma, and I'm going to see if anybody in the Big 12 can stop the damn offense that I, the best defense of mine in football, couldn't stop. Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, your, your, your example for TCU, same thing. Gary Patterson came to the Big 12 and went, damn it, I've been able to stop every offense pretty much in the country that I've ever seen, and I can't stop these air raids. They are whipping my butt. That's not even the problem with Gary Patterson. It was they, they, were, they were feeling good defenses. They couldn't score. Yeah. His realization yeah. was, if I can't score points, I'm going to get fired. Well, Just like LSU. But, but it wouldn't be a big deal if he was stopping those offenses. He wouldn't have cared. And he'd that's where cool with, was He'd have been cool year. with winning those games by three points. And he was getting tired of having heart attack specials every week going, holy, I can't, I can't score points and I can't stop them. What am I going to do? So he sold his soul to the air raid. Same thing happened with Oh, so my going back to what I said about Tom Herman, dude. Why go get a defense that you've been able to manipulate? Why mm. not go get a defensive coordinator who runs the defenses that have given you fits? Yeah, and he, I don't know if he did that or not, or at least go to those concepts. But that's how we go about you being more meathead than Mensa. I don't necessarily see that. Coaches are problem solvers. That's it. They, they're like people. You, know, you ever watch The Office with Stanley? Yeah. Stanley, Stanley <laughs> on The Office. He's obsessed with crossword puzzles every day. He does a crossword puzzle even at work, right? They essentially that's what coaches are. Every day they got to get up and solve Routine. these really complicated problems. Every day. And every day it's a little. That's why Matt Rule's like, day to day. I'll go day to day. I'll figure it out. Because mm. he knows what coaching is. Coaching is getting up every day at 4 in the morning. All right. After probably going to bed at 1 or midnight. Or and then getting up like every day and just solving little problems. What they're, they're small. They're small. They're small. Then they're big. In the game versus, um, you watched the, did you watch the 49ers Minnesota Vikings game? Yeah, I did. I don't know. You watch the game? Okay. Do you see the the first uh the first half when basically Minnesota starts picking on the corner Witherspoon? Mm-hmm. And they basically get a touchdown, 41-yard touchdown, Stefan Diggs on really Witherspoon. Quick. They went after them four plays in a row. They it's the same thing that um Clemson and it happened to Clemson LSU. What did Clemson was, go after? Who did they go after? They didn't go after Stingley. Who'd they go after? Fulton. Fulton. Because we know here at Longhorn fans, we know Fulton. He's not the number one corner, even though they tell you he is. Mm. Stingley's the number one corner. I watched, Bren- I watched Brennan Eagles roast. Christian Fulton. Dude, they went after Fulton all day, every day. And the same thing on the other side. LSU went after number eight, I believe it was. All day, every day. Dude, find the weakness and just go get it and force them to over-adapt to deal with it. They they, they they scored. Minnesota scored after going after Witherspoon. Like time after time. Went after like four times in the way. Got a PI. Just was getting lit up. They put in Emmanuel Mosley, their backup corner. He had three third down tackles. He had a, a third, another third down stop because they went after him too. And then they figured out, oh, we can't do a damn thing. He had six first downs after that. <laughs> Shano literally went over, all right, so to Sella and said, take him out. <laughs> I'm going to solve this problem right now. Take him out. Sweet the The leg. Houston Texans put Lonnie Johnson, a rookie cornerback, on Travis Kelsey. 
Travis Kelsey had 10 receptions for 132 yards, three touchdowns. They never had a plan B. Their plan B was, ah, man, we're going to double him and put a linebacker on him. It's like, that was your best plan? And then what was the pro- what was how were you going to solve the problem when Travis Kelsey did beat him inevitably, which you should have known was going to happen? It's, do it, and that's football, where, like, say, Belichick always Go solve that problem. Go solve that problem. have every problem solved before you I get there. I didn't see you enough of that. It. Why didn't t- Tom Herman should have been over at Todd Orlando saying, hey, man, listen. Mm-hmm. Our three man front sucks. Let's go to four man front. I understand you want to do it, but for us, it'll work better. For our guys, it'll work better. You should just at least put Osai on the line, do this, and then, and then we'll see how it works out. He never did that, but that's part of being a problem solver. You ain't got to go call the plays, your defense coordinator. Go over and say, hey, man, this is a suggestion. I want this done. I'm a CEO. Do it. Let's roll on. This is where it's funny. It's all I don't, the problem, man. I don't want to get too far off on an NFL tangent. It's all the problem. Have you seen the clip of when Mike Pettin and Kyle Shanahan were together in Cleveland? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so it's good. It's late in the game, and, and Pettin, his, Pettin his looks at Shanahan and says, I want to run the ball. And Shanahan's just giving this look like Brian running. And, he, <laughs> and then Pettin all right of a sudden just says, run your best play. <laughs> and it's like a little, little, run, a little bootleg when Brian Hoyer throws a touchdown. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious. Exactly. Um, but Pettin, Pettin, not a good head coach. And listen, him trying to solve a problem, that was bad. Right. And Shannon's like, that's bad. All right, it's time for our first break on the show. But when we come back, we'll continue talking about the end of the college football season and what it all means for Texas. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. So the Tom Herman discussion, though, Rod, I think part of his evolution is in this. You mentioned the conversation with Todd Orlando that should have been had. When Tom Herman got the Houston job, he did the same thing like we talked about. He said, "What as an offensive coordinator, what is the what? What do I hate facing on defense? It's like when you're a three man front because that means you've either got extra linebackers or you got extra DBs on the field. Yeah. Don't like it. You have a hybrid edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Don't like that because you can make him multiple. It jacks with your protections and everything yeah. else. Uh, you're multiple in the secondary. It changes your coverages on the fly. Makes things confusing for the quarterback. Basically, Todd Orlando had the framework of everything Tom Herman wanted in a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator." And I think Tom Herman, if he's guilty of anything, I think it's just putting too much trust in Todd Orlando and waiting till it was too late. He basically he go. said, you know what, T.O.'s good, he'll figure it out. And when he realized that wasn't going to happen, it was too late. Yep. And I think that's why he made the move to fire him because I think that was part of Tom Herman's reflection. that said, look, if this program was going to get where it needs to get for him to thrive and succeed in this job, it can't be with Todd Orlando as the defensive coordinator. No. It just can't. And I think that's part Not of that him. he's a bad coordinator either. And, and you, but you look at how he's reconstructing the defense now. goes back to something Matt said. It's knowing your personnel. Where is Texas really deep right now? Really deep on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Not near enough active. And, Matt, I'll give you a second to pull up the football outsiders numbers for how bad the Texas defensive mm-hmm. line was this year. But I think he's looking at the resources and saying, you know what, I want more of a true four-man front. And Chris Ash is going to use, basically, he's going to use Joseph Osai as a stand-up outside linebacker. Not a hybrid guy, but a stand-up edge yeah, rusher. No and be more of a true four-man front and really try to get after people. And I think that's Right. Basically, he's going to, and, and I, I love the, the quote I used last week, like, you don't train thoroughbreds to, to move backwards. Yeah, man. And you're going to be more of a true four-man front. If there's one thing you could take from the Utah game, not just one thing, but there's a couple things you could take from the Utah game and feel good about going forward, I think it's the fact that, yeah, when you do allow Taquan Graham and Tavondre Sweat and Keandre Coburn, mm-hmm. when you put them in situations where they're allowed to cut loose and go make plays, yeah, they can go make plays. They can be disruptive. And I think that's what Tom Herman's saying, and that's part of the the, the mindset now. And having two defensive line coaches, a defensive tackles coach, and a defensive ends coach, which is how this staff is going to be structured in 2020 and beyond, is I got to get the most out of the talent I got on the defensive line. You got two secondary coaches, two defensive line coaches. Those are two position groups where if you're weak at linebacker, then I'm going to get the most I can out of the defensive line and the most I can out of the secondary, yeah. and it'll minimize the issues you've got at linebacker. Well, that follows what we've been. Even the recruiting, right? I mean, you've been getting really deep at defensive back for the last three years, really deep at D-line the last three years. The way the defenses are set up these days, you minimize the linebacker position for the most part anyway. You're taking hybrids from the secondary and put them in your linebacker depth. Um, so I, I totally agree. I, I like you need to develop talent overall. That's been my biggest concern. I say when Texas gets back to developing NFL talent again, that's when Texas will get back to championship uh, contention again. And I'm glad they have two coaches in the secondary and two on the D-line. I think that emphasizes we want to develop this talent. Yes, we're going to teach maybe a more simplified scheme, but these guys are going to be so damn good at it and their technique's going to be so flawless that they're going to reach their 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 highest achievement level under us. You know and, what I mean? And I'll give you a guy to watch. It's kind of the measuring stick of can Texas develop talent. 
just for the next few Which years. Well, not just not Osai, because I think we've seen the flashes of him. I and know, he was but a, if he doesn't get, but then we know, right? But here, just just <laughs> get, just just take take this walk with me. Tavondre Sweat, Tavondre Sweat was a value three star recruit. Had some offers early. He had you know, Alabama offer or whatever, but you know, not a lot of people were on him. Mm-hmm. Texas evaluated him early, really liked him. He's the kind of guy that three or four years down the road. If you're doing it right, needs to be an NFL guy. Agree. And why? Why am I hung up on Tavondre Sweat? Because I talked to Malcolm Roach at the Alamo Bowl when defensive players were made available. It's like me and Malcolm Roach. That's where you can get like some one on ones. And I'm just going down. It's kind of what I do at the bowl game. We kind of go down the young guys. And we're talking about Tavondre Sweat. And Malcolm Roach told me straight up. He goes, "He's the most talented guy in our room." Wow. And I said, "Seriously?" He's like, "Yes." He's like, "Physically, he's the most gifted, talented guy in that room." Wow. So you're telling me a, bold statement. a guy yeah, that's a that athletically that gifted yeah. that your senior captain on his way out saying he is the most physically talented guy in the room, mm. if that guy is not an all-Big 12-level player by the time he's done, you failed. I agree with that. Amen. No, that's, I didn't know that. That's, that's a bold statement by Malcolm Rose. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I agree. I'm, I'm looking at all of the guys, though. We're looking at where they are now and then where they end up. That's what development is pretty much. I mean, Joseph Asai right now, we just flashed his ceiling. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy, honestly, by the time he leaves, he should be worthy of being defensive player of the year in the Big 12. Like that's what we're kind of. I'm seeing those kind of flashes. I've seen it like three or four times last year and on last the other, season. On, and if he doesn't, by the time he leaves, I'm telling you. These like, corners, Rod. These corners. Development. These corners and safeties, they're going into draft eligible years. Yeah. Like you're at the point now where if you want to know how good the staff is at, at, at developing talent, Jalen Green, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, those guys should have yeah, NFL decisions to make after the year. I agree. Well, but they got to they, they be able to stay healthy first, like, which means you might need to evaluate something else in your program. Because, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. No, that's you're part right. of reach, trust me, as a guy who and it kind of ended my career injuries, and that, they're not always anything you can control. But if you can control any part of it, you would like to be able to control as much as you can. A lot of guys been injured in that secondary. I, I can't remember a secondary that yep. was this injured in the history of Texas football just, ever. Ever. They lost you know, almost and, every starter. And skill position, guys. <laughs> I mean, outside of Duvernay, you know, your running backs and receivers were banged up. So it was across the whole you know, right. team. And when you look overall, like when you were talking earlier about, you know, where Texas is in context. And, you know, if you were to look at, say, LSU in recent years, you know that they have talent. But you maybe didn't see it just being something that could be so overpowering so quickly by a few changes. If you look at Texas, the main difference from what I'm seeing right now or what it reminds me of is sort of the early years of Mac, where your starters could play with anybody. But because of the systemic issues within the program where we Texas hasn't had continuity, they haven't had a staff, this will be that first one. We talked about it two podcasts ago where you get the – four-year cycle where actually a coach that recruited players can see that senior year come from them or even like a draft-eligible year because mm-hmm. in all the other ones, Mac was gone by that cycle year. Charlie was gone. This is that one where if you can get that type of depth, we already see that there has been talent that can play, and we've seen – that ceiling be or heightened by Herman, but the consistency isn't there, and a lot of that consistency or injuries, things like that, can quickly expose you if you lack in depth. And if you can finally start to pile up these classes, not have one cratering class to give you that big old bust rate that's going to go and take you down, you may be able to go and finally get to the point where you can survive losing it. Now you can't survive losing your whole secondary like this year, but it'd be nice if, like, say your whole secondary. Secondary in 2002 went down instead of oh, in 99. It would be a lot been, different. Yeah, I mean, you'd had you'd had Griffin, and, you had Huff Griffin and, and Huff. And, so, like, at that yeah, point, you could survive it So once you get into that. But y'all couldn't have survived that at the beginning of the Mac era because that was a time whenever an injury to you or Jammer could hurt something really big early on. Very true. Matt, to your point about minimizing, uh, minimizing the bus rate, you look at that 2019 class. And you look at the guys that signed and that were on campus at one point. Brew McCoy's already transferred. The Gabriel Floyd's medically retired. Does Brew count? Yeah, you've had some we, bad luck. But we don't know if Darian Brown's ever going to play. Yeah. We don't know if Peter Pudgy's ever going to play. I can't tell you what the deal is with Javon Shepard right now. He's still in the portal but hasn't found a home. Good so point. I don't know. Don't count on him being part of the future. Caleb Johnson's transferred out. So You can't afford to have any players that get on the field not play well. That class isn't trending the way you probably need it to. That's a great point. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And not all those are Tom Herman's fault. Like I said, no, that's, Darren yeah. Brown, Peter Pudge's medical issues. He's happy Darren Brown's o- like, okay right now. Brew McCoy. Brew McCoy Joe, he's got, got his medical issues too now, though. He did, but apparently something. he's but apparently he's, he's okay fine. Now? Yeah, apparently. He's yeah, fine. I was that's like that, that. was like sad. He, I guess, he almost I never yeah. even counts because right, he never got that's, on campus. But by that's a that's that's what getting back to Matt's point. That's why you know minimizing the bus rate as much as you can. Yeah. Like just those those small margins are so important because there are going to be things that are going to happen that, that you have no control. Now it's of. your you special don't, young team man gets and you got to get out there. and Yeah, you don't know anything about that. You're just hoping that the young man's okay. You're not guys transferring, guys. You know. Medically retiring, there are going to be things like that that happen naturally. But if you have one, you know, one class that ended up with a very high bus rate, then another class like 2019 trending that way, that back to back could be disastrous. Yeah, bad luck can only magnify your busts. Like, if you have bad luck, and then it just opens up that door to have the magnification of a potential miss. And then if you missed on that guy, well, now you're left with two, and you have zero. No, I totally. And I think if if you want to, if you want kind of a sign that this staff can develop guys. Go back and look at that 2017 class, that transition class, because, I mean, Tony Carter transferred out, and you've had Rob Cummins medically retire. And I guess if you want to count Josh Rowland, he played for two years, then grad transferred. Yeah. But he, he, you got eligibility out of him, yeah. and he was your kicker for one year. I would year. say he got some reps. Yeah. But Sam Ellinger, Taquan Graham, Gary Johnson, Montrell Estelle, Josh Thompson, Reese Leto, Marquez Bimage, Kobe Boyce, Derek Kerstetter, Danny Young, Kate Brewer, Sam Cosme, Jamari Chisholm. Yeah. Like all like, those guys except for Chisholm that, have started at least started say, at some they've point. They've all been at least significant contributors. That'll get you back right, to right. being where Texas should be that you're right there and that's ahead a hell of, of everybody feat but for a transition class. Basically your own, your only outright bust in that class are Tony Carter and Jordan Pouncey. And you can survive that. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Because you found you found a starting quarterback, a starting defensive lineman, an all Big Twelve linebacker, tight end. Estelle provides depth and safety. Thompson's going to have a chance to start in a nickel, a starting tight end, a starting caliber defensive lineman, a yeah. starting caliber corner, another starting offensive lineman, a starting running back, a starting another starting tight end, a potential All American offensive tackle. Like you, that's. Yeah. That's when you're getting somewhere. No, I totally agree. You built you built a lot of your foundation with that class, and that's hard to do with a transition class. So that's that's a good sign. The tough one, as you look start looking towards spring, the tough one's going to be the 18 class because a lot of these guys enter in their third year. <laughs> they're on there. They're on, they're right there on the on it's the fence. Kind of you know what or get off the toilet yeah, time right for some the of these guys. Look, you know, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, Jalen Green, Demarvion Overshawn, Brennan Eagles, yeah, Anthony DBs, Cook. Yeah. Like those top few guys, good, yeah. you're fine. You got mm-hmm. NFL uh, guys there. Yeah. You got Joshua Moore situation. Don't know what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. It's not 100 percent clear. Although I'm expecting him to be back. Alvante Woodard is a guy that. Wow, Houston lost, Lamar, right? Lost in the mix, yeah. Yeah. And then you go, and then it starts, I'm just going down where they were ranked, and then it starts Deshaun Jameson, Delia Dayaway, Keandre Coburn, Junior Angulau, Keontae Ingram, Joseph Osai. Another run of guys that are starting caliber players for you. We're talking about our yeah. upperclassmen foundational classes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a big thing. You don't know You don't know what, what's going to happen with Malcolm Epps, Cameron Rising transferred, but then Casey Thompson. And then this is the group of guys where you need to start to figure some things out. Casey Thompson, Reese Moore, Rafiti Germay, Moro Ojimo, Byron Vaughns, Daniel Carson, Christian Jones, those type guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that, that group with Alvante Woodard, those probably what I just named five, four, five, six guys. Yeah. Those are the guys that now you need to figure out, okay. They can be really important, especially a wide receiver. We've been talking about right. that and with Colin Johnson and, and, and Devin Duvernay. And depth on the offensive line is always yeah. important. Yeah. And it's time to figure out, okay, can Rafiti Gramaya be a starting center, or is he a depth guy? Can Christian Jones be a starting right tackle, or yeah. is he a depth guy? That's going to determine your recruiting projections, right, and wants and needs and all that yeah. for the 2021. Because if you're Herb Hand, you might be looking at 21 saying, you know what, I think that some of these guys might grad transfer out yep. or, or retire or whatever, and they go recruit me an extra offensive And those are the yep. type of guys that sounds like, uh, as you used as an example, Patterson for decades has been able to maximize those guys at this tipping point where you say didn't know him or you hadn't seen production, but then when given the opportunity – they're prepared, ready to go, and you can plug in. And as long as you don't have mm-hmm. that horrid bust rate where it falls off, or now with the transfer 
transfer portal and they end up leaving, if you can get those guys where you're sort of wondering, are these guys going to be able to make it? What's going to play out here? And if you can Mm -hmm. get that satisfactory performance from both of them, it just allows you to be as good as your stars or your leaders. I would say that in the Big 12, a lot of teams have that. I think Gundy does that really well. I think Patterson does that really well. Hence why Texas struggled the past decade. Yeah, I think Matt Campbell's really good at that. Just kind of max it. Like, I'm not going to waste any of this talent I have. I got to maximize. Rule was really good at it. So, yeah, that in Texas. Bill Snyder. Just just opposed to Texas, that is, yeah, that's pretty stark. It's a pretty stark contrast. Yes. It's the Um, whole difference in, like, where Texas is right now. No question. I do want to talk about the coaching situation. Let's do it. Because we got a little bit of breaking news. But I I want to talk about the third and 17. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. We we're going to get back to it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We, I, 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 have a, promise. I have a bad habit of doing that. So like, well, let's table that and we never get back to it. But <laughs> I, I want to talk about third day. and 17. And it's funny. When you look at teams that win championships, you can usually point back to one play, one moment where you said, okay, that's that's where it kind of the, yeah. the thing turned. It convinced you like, Oh, yeah. Like Texas in 2005, the Lima Sweet catch in the corner of the end zone against Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio State, yep. So when you realize you went up there at the horseshoe at night, you beat mm-hmm. Ohio State, an Ohio State team that was freaking oozing NFL talent everywhere yeah. and beat them, had a future Heisman winner playing quarterback mm-hmm. in Troy Smith. That's when I think everybody realized, yeah, okay, now you can start thinking about the big picture. And yeah. thank you, Trestle, for not starting him. Yes. Um, well, they, whatever I forgot Justin what, what the Troy Smith, what the Troy Smith situation was, but anyway, you got in trouble in the offseason. Yeah, when you look at third and seventeen, I think right it ties in just kind of everything we talked about. I think it's, I think Texas is closer than they've been in a while to being legitimately in a position where they can take that next step and get into that upper tier. Does that make any sense? What I just said, I know that's hard to yeah, follow. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, but closer than they've been to win the Big Twelve. Closer basically. than they've been to in a while to being legit, where you can legitimately yeah. say, okay, the next step is the next step is winning the Big Twelve. Right. They haven't done that. Hell, they didn't do it that much with Mack was here. It's right. hard to do for them. So that's exactly. that's where the program is. But I think it also tells you, man, that's really how kind of far away you are from being elite too. Yeah, I agree because the Big Twelve champion ain't close to right. LSU. All right, guys, one final break on this week's show, and we will wrap it up and put it in the oven on the other side on this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Beep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. 
If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <coughs> Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Beep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm gonna just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. Beep's coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm gonna just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you, and I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. I want to get more into uh, the new hires, Andre Coleman, Jay Valai, <clears throat> Coleman Hustler. Whenever we come back, that probably will be finalized, and we'll see what other staff positions have been finalized when we get back. And if there's any new uh, staff openings, as of right now, the time we're recording this, still haven't heard anything officially on Stan Drayton. Is he going to go to the NFL? Is he going to stay in Texas? So, We'll get into all that and much more on next week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt. You can find all of our archives, classic shows, classic interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And thank you guys so much for continuing to support the podcast. Don't forget, search Horns, Horns 24-7 podcast anywhere you get your podcast. You get us, you get State of Recruiting, you get the flagship. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, search Horns 24-7 podcast to get all of the latest for the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.